It's incredible what people will do in order to get what they value. Last week I read in news, I don't know if you noticed it, about a group of young people who'd camped out in tents for the past five months outside a stadium in Buenos Aires in Argentina. They've had to deal with unhappy parents, public criticism, rowdy soccer fans, and the challenges of sleeping outside on that rough and uncomfortable concrete. But they haven't been there because they're homeless and they've got nowhere else to go. That's not the reason why they're there. It said, the reason why they were there for the past five months is because they are dedicated Swifties. Now, do you know what a Swiftie is? They are fans of Taylor Swift, the singer, Taylor Swift. And they've been there just so they can get to the front of the queue, so they can get right up to the stage at Taylor Swift's concert. Now, maybe you, like me, can't understand that level of dedication and commitment to a pop star. You give up five months of your life just so you get close, a little bit closer to her. But many people do sacrifice incredible amounts just in order to get what they value. In one of his last speeches, Job also talked about this. He talked about how men will go to great lengths and risk everything to get precious metals and jewels. But Job knew that there was something more valuable than that. More valuable than silver or gold or gems. Or even more valuable than a Taylor Swift concert. But the problem is that no matter how much we try how much effort we dedicate to it, we can't get this on our own. It's out of reach for even the most dedicated of us. For this greater treasure, we need to depend on the only one person who knows the way to it. So we're going to read for uh, chapter 28 of Job. We're going to read the first 19 verses and, and Mags is going to come up and she's going to read it to us. So Job chapter 28, verse 1 to verse 19. Thank you. There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is melted from ore. Man puts an end to the darkness. He searches the furthest recesses for ore in the blackest darkness. Far from where people dwell, he puts a shaft in places forgotten by the foot of man. Far from men, he dangles and sways. The earth from which fruit comes is transformed below as by fire. Sapphires come from its rocks and its dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows that hidden path. No falcon's eye has seen it. Proud beasts do not set foot on it, and no lion prowls there. Man's hand assaults the flinty rock and lays bare the roots of the mountains. He tunnels through the rock, his eyes see all its treasures. He searches the sources of the rivers and brings hidden things to light. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Man does not comprehend its work. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. 
It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx or or sapphires. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels of gold. Coral and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Cush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Thank you very much, Max. This poem starts talking about gold and silver. But clearly, that is not the focus of what Job is talking about. This speech is all about wisdom. According to Job, wisdom is far more important than anything else that people value. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed in silver, verse 15 says. Now, if you had $51.7 million lying around, don't know if you have, then this week, at an auction in New York City, you could have bought this beautiful Ferrari GTO from 1962 that raced at Le Mans. That's the red car, just in case anybody didn't know. And that would have been a bargain compared to the most expensive car ever sold at auction. That was the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR which went for a cool $142 million. So if you have a lot of money, you can buy lots of things, fancy cars, lots of other things. But it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can never afford to buy wisdom. It's far more valuable. It's far more precious. Wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Proverbs chapter 8 says. So what is it? What is wisdom? Well, I think the easiest way to think about it is it's how life really works. It's a way to live a life that is successful, that is blessed, that is ultimately happy. Proverbs C says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. And this is always important. Wisdom is always precious, but it's especially treasured when things go wrong in our lives. Now, I don't know how much about how laptops work. It would be really good for me to know more about them. I'm sure it would help me to get more out of them, get the best out of my laptop. But usually I manage to just get by with the little bit of knowledge I have. But when it stops working, then I'm in trouble. Then I need to find someone who really understands it a whole lot better. Who understands how it was designed. Understands what each of the parts are about. Understands how it all works together. Only someone with that kind of understanding will be able to diagnose the problem and find a solution. That's kind of what wisdom is like. It's the understanding of how life works. How it is designed. What's the purpose of it? How it should all kind of come together to achieve the goal that it's been set. 
And that's what Job has been struggling with all through the book. Because, as you remember, Job had lost everything. He'd lost his business, his wealth, his reputation, his family, his friends, and his health. His whole life was in a mess. And it was incredibly painful. But as we've seen over the the past few weeks of reading a little chapters, a few different chapters in Job, we've started to understand what his deeper struggle was. Yes, of course he struggled with grief and loss, but he had a deeper struggle. And that was the struggle of the why. So if you remember in chapter 3, he said, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Chapter 13, he asked God, why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Then in chapter 21, he was struggling with with why the wicked seem to prosper. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? Why has this happened to me? Why am I suffering? Why do good people go through this pain? Why do evil people get away with everything? God, why don't you answer? Why don't you speak? Why don't you help me in my struggles? His problem was that his experience, what he was going through in life, did not match with how he thought life should work. It didn't fit with his understanding of this world. He thought that because God is sovereign, he's in control, and because he's just, he's always fair, then good people like him should not suffer in this world like he was. And so he felt unjustly condemned by God. He felt that God was treating him like an enemy, and that was unfair. And so he longed for a chance just to meet God face to face and hash it out and, and ask him all the questions he had and, and get God to answer him. So in chapter 23, he said this, If only I knew where to find him, that's find God. If only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would consider I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. Job wanted to explain himself. And he wanted God to give him the answers that he longed for. He wanted to understand what had been going on. Why this had happened. And I think we, many of us, can relate to that. Because we long for the same. We want to know, in general, we want to know how life works. How to live a good life. How to live a life that is secure, that is satisfying, that is significant. But when we're going through tough times, we desperately long for that. We want to be able to make sense of those difficult times. We want to be able to understand what is happening to us, how to get through this, how to be blessed 
in it. And that's far more important than any of and all of the money that's in this world. So wisdom is priceless. But our problem is that wisdom is also inaccessible. It's out of reach. Job illustrated this by thinking about mining. There's a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. People go to great lengths and search for things like gold and silver, iron, sapphire, coral, jasper, topaz. He searches the farthest reaches for ore in the blackest darkness, verse 3 says. They dig deep shafts. They go down into the darkness. They tunnel through the rocks. Go into places where no birds or animals would ever set foot. No people live in. Far from where people dwell, he cuts a shaft. Far from men, he dangles and sways. Just illustrating the danger and the difficulty of that search. So why do they do it? Why do they go down into the the depths of the earth looking for all this stuff? Well, it's because they believe they can find it. And if they find those treasures, then it'll be worth all the effort. It'll be worth the risk. They believe that these precious metals and jewels are worth risking everything for. And of course, this, this search goes on today, doesn't it? The the global mining industry is reportedly worth over $2 trillion worldwide every year. It's a massive industry. People are still searching for those metals and jewels. So we can do that with metals and, and precious metals and precious jewels, but we can't do that for wisdom. Job asked in verse 12, but where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Wisdom is supremely valuable. It's crucial to understand it so that we can live a successful life. But we just can't go searching for it in this world. It cannot be found in the land of the living. Wisdom is hidden from us no matter how much we look or how many books we read, or how many lectures we attend, or how much time we spend thinking and pondering, or how deep we dig for it, we'll never find it ourselves. Some people think that you can find it if you just go travelling. You know, go travelling and and discover the wisdom in this world. But Job said that even if you can go to the extreme places of this world, You'll never find it. The deep says it's not in me. The sea says it's not with me. Other people claim that wisdom is is discovered when we go through extreme experiences in our lives. Like near-death experiences. And then everything makes sense. But Job said that even if destruction and death could speak, they would declare only a rumour of it has reached our ears. Of course, This is not accepted by the world. 
There is no end of people who claim to be able to provide us the understanding and wisdom that we need, especially if we're willing to pay a bit for it. This was the lie that the serpent gave to Eve in the Garden of of Eden. He claimed that if she would eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And he took that fruit and ate of it, in part because she saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. She wanted to know. But that act didn't lead to a successful life, as we know, but to a disastrous one. The wisdom of this world will never be good enough for us. We've seen that with Job's friends. Job's friends were classed as wise in their world. They claimed to be wise. They claimed to know how life works. And why Job was suffering. But they were wrong. That's why they were called by Job miserable comforters. Or worthless physicians. They did more harm than good. Because despite all their claims to be wise. They didn't really understand what was going on. No wonder the proverb says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. All those who claim to be wise in this world are in a worse situation than somebody who recognizes their foolishness. So we need to be make, make sure that we are not fooled by those who claim to be wise in this world. Who claim to be able to teach us how life works. So no matter how much we search, we can't find that wisdom that we need in ourselves or in this world. So Job asked again in verse 20, emphasizing this is the focus of this passage. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? And we're really pleased that he gave us an answer. Look at verse 23. God understands the way to it. And he alone knows where it dwells. We can't find wisdom in ourselves or in this this world. Nobody can tell us where to find it, but God knows the path to it. And he knows the place where it lives. Why does God know that? Why can God reveal wisdom to us where nobody else can? Well, Job goes on, verse 24. He views the end of the earth and he sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm. That sounds like last week, doesn't it? Storm Debbie. Again, revealed the destructive power of wind and rain. 
They thankfully met Aaron, did a good, really good job this, this week. They, they gave us all a warning of it, and so those who were part of it, they, they could get prepared for it. But even with all the technology that Aaron has, they can only predict the weather and only do it a few days in advance, and sometimes they get it wrong. If you notice, it's always good to carry an umbrella with you, even if it says it's going to be a nice day today. So some people can predict a little bit of the weather, but God is the one who controls it. He is in control of our seemingly random and chaotic weather systems. He decides on the force of the wind. He decides on the boundaries of the water. He decides on the amount of rain that falls and the power and direction of the lightning. God alone is the architect and the designer and the sustainer of this world. And so he alone can determine how it works. So Job goes on to say, verse 27, Then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. The world did not match with what Job expected. The world did not, did not match with what his friends taught. And it certainly didn't match with what Satan claimed. But the world works according to God's understanding. Like a skilled jeweler. He's the one who saw wisdom and evaluated it and set it up and examined it. He's the one who has designed this world to work in this way. And so only God can truly make sense of it all. To try and make sense of it without God will never make sense. Only He can tell us how life works. As Job said earlier in chapter 12, to God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are His. Now next week, we're going to discover that Job understood this much more fully when God did show up and speak to him. It was only then that Job fully understood that he's got no right to judge God. Because only God has the wisdom and understanding of what is right and what is wrong. And similarly, if we want to live a wise life, then we need to look beyond ourselves. We need to look beyond the wisdom of this world. We need God to reveal himself to us. We can't go and find it ourselves. We can't just work it out ourselves. We need God to reveal how life works to us. The great news is, this is what he has done in the person of his son. In the person of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in Jesus that we find out how life works. It's in Jesus that we understand the truth of what life's all about. 
It's in Jesus and through Him that we will be able to live a life that is truly blessed. Because Jesus alone can say, I am the way and the truth and the life. So the source of wisdom today is Jesus. We need to go to Him to discover and to understand what our lives are all about. But what does that blessed life look like? What does a wise life look like in this world today? Well, Job told us, speaking about God, he said this in verse 28. And he said to man, and God said to man, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. This is what wisdom looks like. Reverence and repentance. The fear of the Lord is not about a terror or a dread of God that, that drives us away from Him. It's not about being terrified of God. Rather, it's about a reverence, a deep respect for God that draws us that, to us to, to Him, so that we, because we long to worship Him, we long to honour Him. This is what we read in the book of Hebrews a while back. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. That's the correct attitude that we should express because that is in keeping with who God really is and what God really has done. It means we humbly bow before Him and accept that He is God and that we are not. We accept that the Lord is right when He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. This is what we need to understand. This is the attitude that we need in every aspect of our lives, but especially when we're going through those difficult times of suffering like Job was. Because fearing God means that we're not surprised when God acts in ways that we don't understand. If God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, if His ways are higher than our ways, then of course sometimes He's going to do things that just don't make sense to us. But if we fear God appropriately, then we'll trust Him anyway. So this is about a life of faith. It's about willing to trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. But trusting in the Lord. So it's not about advising God as if we know better. And it's not about criticizing God as if He made a mistake. And neither is it about judging God thinking that He could be corrupt. 
or resenting God, thinking that he is unloving. Rather, it's about trusting God. Because we believe that God knows more and understands more, discerns more, and loves more than we could ever. This is the attitude of Jesus throughout his life and also in his suffering. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed desperately for, for deliverance from, the, from the, the cross that he was facing? The suffering, the pain, the agony that he was going towards. And yet he prayed, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's that humble submission. That's that trust. Or when on the cross, just after calling out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then as he died, he prayed, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's that humble Submissive trust again. And if we develop that attitude in our lives, then it will change how we live. It will have a practical impact on how we go about our lives. Because, as verse 28 reminds us, to shun evil is understanding. Fearing God will lead to a practical outliving of a different kind of life. If we have a deep reverence for God, we will want to repent of, turn away from anything and everything that would offend God, that would profane His name. As Proverbs 8 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. So wisdom is about reverence for God and repentance from anything that would offend That's the call of the gospel. To turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. As Acts chapter 20 says. To turn away from depending on ourselves. To turn away from living our lives our own way. Thinking that we're in control. Thinking that we know best. And instead putting our trust, our hope, our faith in Jesus alone. And what he has accomplished for us when he died on the cross for us, for our sins. That's how we become part of God's family. That's how we enter into this eternal life. Repentance and trust. So if you're here this morning you haven't yet made that commitment, then my prayer is that this day, this will be the day that you'd make that decision. That today, you will turn away from living your own life. And today, you will put your trust in Jesus. Job, I believe, had already made that commitment to God. He'd all, he was already a man of faith. Remember God said about him right at the start, he is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. 
There is there. Fearing God, shunning evil. Job was a wise man. Job went on to describe in, in the rest of this speech about how he actually did this in his everyday life in chapter 29 and through to 31. You maybe have a read of it later in your own time. But in his intense suffering, Job had struggled to do this. He'd struggled to stay in that place of fearing God. He'd battled with God's will. He'd questioned his justice. He'd criticised God's actions. But God is going to turn up and help him to repent and get back to that place. Not of understanding everything and knowing, having all the knowledge, but just of trusting God. Of fearing Him. But we're jumping ahead as we always do in Job. I'm going to leave that for next week. This morning, I just want us to remember the treasure of wisdom. That it's superior to all the other things that people treasure. It's crucial if we are going to live a blessed life. But no matter how much we might search for it, we'll never find that wisdom in ourselves or in this world. Instead, we need to go to Christ. Because He alone is the source of the wisdom that we need. And so we need to trust in Him. Bowing before Him as our Saviour and Lord. And keep on trusting in Him. Even when we cannot understand all that He is doing.